Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It is Tuesday, November 3rd, 2015, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. We have a few spots left for the Pleiadian lineup weekend in Arkansas, so if you'd like to come, please write to Tammy, that's T-A-M-M-I-E, at starseedhotline.com for more info about that. Tonight, we are going to be talking about tracking your daily transits because it's so vital to your success as starseeds. Understanding the planetary influences in your life gives you an edge, and it helps you to make the wisest choices. Even though we've mentioned transits many times, it seems that a lot of you haven't gotten around to doing it, so hopefully this show will bring you the inspiration to take advantage of this crucial practice. We've got some sample charts in the Blog Talk slideshow, but it may be better to view the charts on our site if you'd like to follow along with our examples. You can go to starseedhotline.com, click Enter, and then on our main page, if you look up at the top, um, click the scrolling banner where it says Headline News, and then when you get to that page, all the charts are there, and they're not moving like they are in the slideshow. So, uh, And you can also download those sample charts and listen to the show afterwards, um, you know, as a, as a download, and you can pause it and, and really work with these charts and this recording that we're doing tonight. So if you want to download those sample charts, just right-click on the image and select Save, Save Target. Um, the verbiage is different with different computers. And then save it on your computer, and you'll have them to refer to whenever you like. Later in the show, we've gathered a few questions from our forum and emails, which Lavendar will be addressing. At the top of the show, it's the Starseed News with Anastasia, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds that you're not going to hear in the mainstream news. We would like to thank Fiona for hosting the Switchboard this evening. And we have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com. And... Special thanks always go to Tammy for her dedication to the forum. You can download our show podcasts on iTunes or right from our Blog Talk Radio episode page. If you just look for the cloud with an arrow on it, uh, you can download them right from Blog Talk. And if you'd like to support our show, we'd appreciate it. And just click follow on our show page here at Blog Talk and you'll get our weekly show notice. The toll-free number for starseedhotline.com is 888 888- Eight eight one zero eight eight one. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. Remote healing sessions for people and pets are also available with Tammy. And if you have a birthday coming up, don't miss out on your 10 hours of power you can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And if you want a stage two interpretation of those solar return energies, please order it at least two or three months ahead of time to make sure you get it done before your 10 hours. So first this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia with the Starseed News. 
Well, good evening, Ariel. Hello, everybody. It's wonderful hey. to be with you. Hi. Hi. Oh, we are having the most. Excuse me. Are you there? Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good. I just started to say we had the most beautiful weather today. Talk about an Indian summer. Golden leaves, many of them fallen, 75 degrees. Oh, it has just been an exquisite day. And uh, it's not that way all over the rest of the world, but it was very nice in my neck of the woods today. Just gorgeous. And uh, so how has it been down there for you? Are you having an Indian summer? Well, we're having rain. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I guess rain, we rain, lucky yeah, like three or four days in a row. But um, they're talking about El Nino really uh, changing the weather patterns for our part for the United States this year. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. Nobody seems to know whether we're going to get colder or warmer. So we're just going to have to wait and find out. But we are well into autumn, as you know, and there's so much news to report. I guess I'd better quit gibbering and get on with it. <laughs> Well, there's been a geomagnetic storm warning. There's been a high-speed stream of solar wind uh, that's coming at the Earth's magnetic field. It's prompted NOAA forecasters to estimate an 85 to 90 percent chance of geomagnetic storms uh, today and tomorrow. Excuse me, yesterday and today, I beg your pardon. Uh, this is the same stream that lashed Earth's magnetic field in early October, and it did spark strong geomagnetic storms and bright auroras over the northern U.S. states. And as predicted, this solar wind is uh, reached Earth uh, today and yesterday. It's buffeting the magnetic field, but they say so far there's only been mild geomagnetic storming, although they say that the auroras are lovely. So if you're up in that area, keep your eyes peeled for the sky. Now, we've had some torrid fireballs because the annual torrid meteor shower is underway, and it is absolutely lighting up the midnight sky with fireballs. Now, torrid meteoroids are gravelly pieces of debris from comet Enki that strike our planet's atmosphere at 70,000 miles per hour. Now, according to spaceweather.com, they pose no danger to people on the ground as they disintegrate highly above, high above the Earth's uh, surface every few hours. They say that the uh, display will continue probably until the 10th of November. So uh, you can't see it tonight, Ariel, because of rain. But those of you that get a chance in the next few days to get out and look at the sky, if you have some clear weather, you should check it out. Now, I do want to make note, though, that there in the news reports that I scour for this program, there have been fireballs all over the place, and often it is associated with this torrid shower. However when they say that it poses no danger to people on the ground. Well, there was an impact in Russia. Uh, they said it was a huge meteorite that crashed near Lake Baikal in Siberia, an uh, unpopulated area remote. But some of these fireballs do hit the ground. And in the news that I looked at, we had about 15 fiery fireballs that were noted in the news articles uh, since the shower began. So we're getting some really real bright ones. So do get out and take a look if you can. Well, they have discovered oxygen on a comet. Now, don't ask me how. Some of the stuff I read, and I'd have to read it 20 times to understand some of the science, and I'm not too dumb, but this stuff is advancing <laughs> really fast. But they discovered oxygen on comet 67P, discovered by the Rosetta spacecraft, and it is, according to the article, a challenging prevailing theories on the formation of our solar system. They say that the scientists that discovered this were 
enormously surprised because it challenges theories that they have believed in forever. They say that uh, this oxygen is primordial and it is older than our solar system. So in our solar system, they believe, was formed some 4.6 billion years ago, as if they would know. But anyway, very fascinating discovery, oxygen on a comet. And incidentally, they, uh, this I don't have the uh, this written out, but I just want to pass this along kind of... Uh, you know, uh, spontaneously, that they've actually discovered a galaxy that has free-floating oxygen in it. Maybe I'll get to cover that in another newscast. They're finding oxygen everywhere in space. Anyway, in uh, California, there has been a whopping 408, that's 408, earthquakes that have hit San Ramon in the past two weeks, including 11 in one-hour stretch. Now, uh, this is a record-breaking earthquake earthquake swarm, but according to the USGS, it's nothing to worry about. Most of the quakes are tiny. The first one that kicked off this recent swarm that happened on October 13th was just a mere magnitude 0.8. Teeny, teeny. It has to be at least 2.5 before you can feel it. But in this swarm, there's been a magnitude 3.6 and a magnitude 3.1, but most of them were in the magnitude 2 range. Nevertheless, 408 earthquakes in the past two weeks. Pretty impressive. Wow. And out of the Daily Mail in the UK, there's an article that uh, about researchers uh, who are claiming that Seattle, Vancouver, and Portland are at risk of a mega quake. They say that uh, they believe a killer quake along Cascade, which is a fault line that runs from Cape Mendocino to Vancouver Island, is 72 years overdue. They say the big one is likely to hit when Juan de Fuca, which is a 700-mile chunk of the Pacific Ocean, slides under Canada and America. Now, because of the hazard from this so-called Cascadia subduction zone, a recent New Yorker article portrayed the area as a disaster waiting to happen. And there has been a... Uh, oops, excuse me. My, oh, there it is. <laughs> Just lost track of my next <laughs> My next story. Mexico's Colima volcano has exploded five times in one morning. This is an article out of the International Business Times. It was dated today. Mexico's Colima, or otherwise called Fire Volcano, erupted once again on November 1st as its period of activity rolls on. There were five explosions during that day, and the ash from the volcano reached 1,500 meters into the sky. Well, in sort of the sociological department, kind of what's going on in our society, I wanted to share this with you. A California school district uh, has invented something. Uh, this is a school district about 50 miles north of San Francisco, and as far as I'm concerned, they've just found another way to assure that the word education has lost its meaning. Under a new policy invented by these Hmm, academics, students will be able to earn passing grades with scores of just 20% and a solid C for doing absolutely nothing at all. This taxpayer-funded new grading system is called the Equal Interval Scale and deviates from the, <laughs> that's an understatement, deviates from the traditional A through F scale, which would give a grade of F for students with scores below 20%. So, in other words, everybody passes. Well, in Austria, handguns and rifle sales are spiking. Some shops are reporting they're running out of guns. 
since in Austria you don't need a license to buy them. But the reason, why are people buying guns at record rates in Austria? Well, the refugee crisis in Europe is making people feel very insecure about their safety. So in Austria, they're having a rush on gun sales. And actually, in all over Europe, this refugee crisis is very sobering and uh, is probably going to modify a lot of things in the next number of years. So we need to keep an eye on that. Well, they have discovered 22 shipwrecks found in a single location in Greece. Underwater archaeologists have discovered these shipwrecks around a small Greek archipelago, revealing what may be the ancient shipwreck capital of the world. They hailed this as one of the top archaeological finds of 2015, and the discovery was made by a joint Greek-American archaeological expedition. Still more interesting things uncovered, and speaking of interesting things, this has made news all over the place. It was even published in the New York Times. The new, the uh, excuse me, the earliest known version of the King James Bible, which we know is the most widely read book probably in history, has been discovered and mislabeled. It was mislabeled inside an archive at the University of Cambridge the earliest known version of the King James Bible. And uh, they're saying that this is one of the most significant revelations, pardon the pun, in decades. It shows that writing the Bible was merely a process of revising, cutting, guessing, and then more rewriting. The Bible is no different in this regard, even though some Christians claim that it's the divine word of God himself, it's no different in this regard than any other person's journal because it, this original known earliest version is full of revisions. The notebook containing the, the draft was found by an American scholar and the New York Times, as I said before, picked up the story. Now the scholar was conducting research and he came across a plain notebook. They didn't know what it was because it had been mislabeled and misfiled. And that's why no one has ever discovered it until now. But what he found was an early draft of the King James Version Bible, and experts examining the notebook, and you can easily determine this yourself by looking at the published photos of the find on the Internet. These people were surprised to find scratch-outs and corrections that revealed the persons who put the Bible together as a codified scripture kind of made it up as they went. And from MIT, we have learned that researchers have developed Wi-Fi technology that is capable of seeing a human through an obstacle, like a wall, and reconstructing the image by analyzing the reflections from the signals. In other words, wireless technology can enable authorities to see people through walls. Now, they are saying that the technology has a variety of practical applications. Nobody mentioned the word snooping, but the new device called RF Capture is based on previous methods of capturing movements across a house. Now, that technology is currently used by firefighters to determine if they need to save anyone in a burning building, uh, according to popular mechanics. But goodness knows what they're going to do with that. So the Wi-Fi, the wireless running in your house, is certainly going to be an, an enablement for people to be able to see where you are in your home, how many people are in there if they should so desire. They have the technology to do that, and they do, called RF Capture.
Well, wow. here's a weird one. Here's a weird one. Researchers are beginning to use ancient bacteria to create self-ventilating garments. Bacteria that has been discovered uh, that was a thousand years old and was discovered in Japan is being used to grow a second skin that responds to a person's perspiration. This could revolutionize sportswear and extend to other parts of our daily lives, including, according to this article, our lampshades and the tea that we drink. Researchers at MIT... Somebody needs to put these guys in a leash. Researchers at MIT Media Lab's Tangible Media Group are using the Bacillus subtilis natto bacteria to create a synthetic second skin, which they are calling biologic. It physically moves and morphs when it is exposed to moisture. It opens up flaps on the skin that will allow sweat to evaporate when a person's body temperature or perspiration volume reaches a certain threshold. Now, what's even more concerning about this, really, is that researchers are also anticipating to develop this material so that it works just like a machine. And what comes to my mind is the current trend towards transhumanism that we are seeing all around us. I tell you guys, technology is warping ahead. I say this every week, don't I? And every week, well, I'm I'm kind of dumbstruck by what I find. Yeah. Well, on a more... Uh, on a more material note, sort of down to earth, but sad. Police dismantle tiny homes constructed for the homeless in a Denver park, and 10 activists have been arrested. They were arrested this weekend for attempting to help the homeless in the city of Denver by building tiny houses in a park. There are pictures of this on the Internet, and they're really cute little little teeny tiny houses. The houses were immediately destroyed just after the arrests were made. Now, the activists belong to a group called Denver Homeless Out Loud, and they released a statement after the arrests which said, Ten community members, along with many others, were in the process of setting up a tiny home village to be occupied and managed by houseless people. The arrests on charges of trespassing were followed uh, by the destruction and removal of several tiny homes which the group had constructed for houseless community members to live in. It goes on to say that the group had originally had control of the land through an urban farming cooperative, but the city decided to sell the land to a private developer. The group apparently has been released from prison, and they promised to continue their work despite pressure from police. So there's somebody out there trying to help people. Kind of a nice idea, you know. We could make tiny houses all over the country for homeless people to live in. And an enlightened world would do just that. Well, you know, we've heard a lot about global warming all over the place for years and years and years. But you know, Greenland is blowing away all records for ice gain this year. They've gained almost 200 billion tons of snow and ice over the past two months, which is more than 50% above normal. That is awesome. 200 billion tons of snow and ice developing in Greenland. Wow. And speaking of the countries up north, Amchita, Alaska had a 5.6 magnitude earthquake. Um, it was considered to be moderate, and a 5.6 is pretty moderate. It's 
in southwest Alaska. Now, Amchitka Island is a volcanic and tectonically unstable island in the Rat Islands group of the Aleutian chain. It has had no permanent population since 1832, in case anyone should drive up and ask you. An isolated (laughs) place in an isolated part of the world. But still more earthquakes. I'm not reporting all of them tonight. We don't have time. But near Palahala, Hawaii, a small increase in earthquake activity on the southwest rift uh, near Palahala, has been observed over the last few days, and the USGS Hawaiian Volcano Observatory has said the increase in earthquake activity on the southwest rift continues. Earthquake swarms in this area are not unusual and have not been correlated with any significant change in the activity of the volcano. So if you live in that neck of the woods, it's okay. But in Wyoming's Bighorn Mountains, over the weekend, a number of reports have come in about a crack in the earth showing up in the southern foothills of the Bighorn Mountains. Estimates by some put the area at 750 yards long by 50 yards wide. There's no other information available, so we'll have to track that and see what's going on. If it gets larger, it's not being called a sinkhole. It's being called a crevice, which we'll keep an eye on, and I'll report whatever I find out about that to you. Well, central Israel has had, in fact, all of Israel has had the weirdest weather. I mentioned that before. But they've had another major storm. It's closed major roads and flooded whole neighborhoods, knocked out power for tens of thousands of Israeli homes. And uh, so that's for the second time in less than a week. Well, this is important news. Wow. You know, deceit, deceit everywhere, lying and deceit everywhere. I'm sorry. I'm trying to make light of this. But, you know, sometimes you just get a neck full. On Friday, the Pepsi Corporation admitted that its Aquafina bottled water is not purified water or spring water, but is simply plain old tap water. The company will now be forced to change the labeling of the brand to reflect that it is plain old tap water. Now, you know many people choose bottled water because we are most of us concerned about the quality of tap water, which is loaded with fluoride and pharmaceuticals and chlorine and lead and mercury and so on and so forth. But now we're learning that in many cases bottled water is actually not any better than than tap water. So over the years, an advocacy group called Corporate Accountability International has been checking the contents of bottled water and pressuring companies to stop their false advertising. Well, also big on the news has been the VatiLeak scandal. Oh, my. Vatican has been capped uh, in a months-long in, uh, investigation into internal leaks uh, to the media. They have arrested two high-profile officials over the weekend just days before the publication of a pair of books promising incendiary revelations about the Holy See and their finances. But according to the Vatican, the leaking of confidential information and documents is a crime. And you know, the Vatican has its own police force and legal system and is indeed its own country. The two individuals that made that leak, by the way, I'm ad-libbing here, were Vatican employees. And they are now behind bars in the Vatican well, wow. newly, found, newly found stone artifacts found on the English Channel Island of Jersey could hold some of the oldest man-made carvings ever found on the British Isles. And the artifacts, the, excuse me, the archaeologists who found the artifacts have yet to finish their analysis and publish their results, but 
preliminary reports show that these stone carvings date to at least 14,000 years ago. Long, oh. long time. Yeah. Wow. Yes, yes we've, uh, there's just so much coming uh, to, to light now. Well, this is fascinating stuff, you guys. This is out of Reuters. They say that tractor beams and sound levitation is now a reality. Now, the tractor beam, which, of course, you know, is a staple of Star Wars and Star Trek, uh, is entering the realm of reality. Researchers on Tuesday said that they have developed a tractor beam that uses high-amplitude sound waves to levitate, move, and rotate small objects without making contact with them. They say that as a mechanical wave, sound can exert significant forces on objects. Uh, Case in point... Just remember the last time you were in a concert and your chest was vibrating with the music. This sonic tractor beam that they have developed has been reported to to manipulate objects up to about one-seventh of an inch in diameter and can control the position and orientation of the levitated objects. The tractor beam uses ultrasound at a frequency of 40 kilohertz, and as you probably know, people can hear only below 20 kilohertz. So there you go. You know, just a few decades back, people were hooting and saying it was a spoof, that there was such a thing thing as levitation by sound, but here it is. Again, science fiction is now science fact. And as quickly as we are developing our technology, well, who knows, we may be able to levitate the Great Pyramid in a very short period of time. Surprise, surprise. Well, out of uh, Latin America, 30,000 doctors and health experts are insisting that Monsanto Corporation be banned. It was announced this week that over 30,000 doctors and health health experts throughout Latin America uh, are insisting that Monsanto be banned from their country. One of the primary cases that these doctors are bringing against Monsanto is the recent confirmation that their main herbicide roundup is actually factually responsible for causing cancer. Quote, in our country, glyphosate is applied on more than 28 million hectares, and each year the soil is sprayed with more than 320 million liters, which means that 13 million people are at risk of being affected, and they want Monsanto out, go, be gone. Good for them. Yeah, good for them. Somebody is actually doing something. Our final story tonight came out of the Atlantic, and it's a story about how dogs and cats actually do love. You know, when I was growing up and I would say to my parents, well, uh, Fluffy loves me or whatever, I would say that the cat loved me or the dog loved me, and they'd say, no, no, honey, they just, you know, they love, they like you because you're feeding them. Cat, they don't have feelings. Well, <laughs> neurochemical research has shown that the hormone released when people are in love is released in animals in the same intimate circumstances. Studies have shown that animals, such as dogs, cats, and even goats, release oxytocin, which, as you know, is the cuddle hormone or the love hormone, and often to really amazing degrees. When these little beings are in familiar, kind, and supportive situations, in fact, the animals of different species induce oxytocin release in each other, which suggests that they, like us, may be capable of love, not only for us, but for each other. So, indeed, as we starseed know, 
And this is kind of, I guess because it's printed in the press, it makes it true. Okay, so I'm just telling you what's reported, even though we've all known that all along. But according to the Atlantic, it says that it's quite possible that Fido and Boots may feel the same way about you as you do about them. You can most definitely call it love. So they're grown-ups of the 1950s and before. <laughs> I'm telling you that animals love, and you were wrong. And we all know that. I went out to see the neighbor's dog today. He's a black lab, and I absolutely adore him. And I hadn't seen him all summer. And I said, hey, hey there, big boy, I haven't seen you. Well, he just licked my hand, and the love in his eyes, you know, they get that real melty look. And it is so endearing. So there you go, proof from the written press and research, mm-hmm. valid research, that, yes, animals do love. They love us, and they can love each other. In fact, there was a story, it was quite a long story. I'm paraphrasing it. But in this article, it talked about research between a goat and a dog, and actually they said that the oxytocin levels in the goat got so high that the only way they could read that was to say that the goat had fallen in love romantically with the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, isn't that wonderful? There's some, yeah, there's some good information to come out of scientific research. Well, that's all for tonight, and it's going to be a very informative program. I know that all of our starseed need to learn more about astrology, including yours truly. I'm always eager to learn, so it's going to be a great show, Ariel. And thank you for bringing it forward, you and Lavendar. It's wonderful. Well, you're so welcome, and thank you so much for the starseed news. So um, I am going to kind of kick this off for us tonight. Excuse me. And I just want to start with a little bit of um, um, an introduction here because we've had shows about astrology and and, um, we've always mentioned transits, but we've never really done a show just about transits, and they're so important. And uh, first of all, I want to um, I just want to say that you don't have to know anything about astrology. You don't have to study anything about astrology. This is something that you can start doing tomorrow, because uh, all you do is look something up and read it, and then after time, um, you will need the book less and less. So. Um, and also, um, Lavendar, if you if you want to add anything as I'm going along, please you know feel free. Because uh, by the way, good evening, Lavendar. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> doing great, great. Go ahead and and take it, and and I'll interject as needed. Okay. All right then. So, first of all, I just kind of want to give you the um, the essence of why tracking your transits are so important. Um, if you imagine that your natal chart, the planetary positions, the moment you came into this world, if if those were um, billiard balls, and you just and you put them on the on the pool table in a particular arrangement to match the moment you that you were born, that would be your natal chart, and however those balls were spread out over the table, and then the current positions of the of the planets the astronomy is another set it's like another rack of balls that gets overlaid onto your natal um, arrangement 
<clears throat> and there will be places where you've got a, a clear shot and, you know, straight shot right into the pocket. And those would be the, the trends that you'd want to be looking for. And then, then there will be others that it's a real tricky shot, and chances are if you try to take it, you're going to miss the pocket and um, very little chance of <clears throat> of making that ball. So understanding your transits is like giving you the the um, the map of which shots to take first, which ones will come easiest, and which ones that you'd be better to wait until you get some of the balls cleared off the table when you've got a better shot at getting it in the first time. So that's kind of the the overall um, condition with your chart and in the current um, planetary positions. So everybody's chart has 12 houses, and each of those houses rules a various uh, a different area of your life. And when um your planets in your your natal planets in your in your natal chart and your um and your transit the the transiting planets and how they affect that there's a certain um uh, distance a margin called an orb so that if your if your sun sign was 10 degrees of scorpio um the orb of influence would be on, like coming up to that or just past that. So it doesn't have to be like another planet at exactly 10 degrees Scorpio to have an influence. And each, um, each, of the, each of the planets and aspects have generally the same orbs. But uh, I don't want to get too detailed now because right now I just... And if, as I said in the beginning of the show, if you want to take a look at the, the charts that, that I'm going to be talking about, just so you have the visual. Um, you, can, you can go to our website and, and get a look at those because I know that on the Blog Talk slideshow, they keep moving, so <laughs> you, you, I don't think you can pause those. But um, there are basically two, two groups of, of transits. Um, there's the what they call the inner and the outer. The inner transits are the smaller planets and the ones that move fairly quickly, so that the um, their influence may last only two days or maybe two weeks. The outer transits have to do with the bigger, more distant planets, and because they move so much more slowly, they're going to spend more time. Um, in a particular house or in aspect to one of your planets so that it's the outer transits that have the most broad-reaching um, effect. You know, if you've got a planet that's in a house for a whole year, it's got more um, potential to bring about changes. And when it comes to astrology, everything is is really a good thing. It might not be pleasant when you're going through it, but all all transits, even even the ones that are difficult to get through, they are taking you to a better place, to a higher place, to a greater understanding, to um, greater self awareness. 
so that there really isn't any bad transit. Um, but there are some that that you have to understand so that you can make the wisest choices. So the inner planets, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, they have um, shorter lengths of influence. And then the outer planets, the farther ones, um, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, those are more long-lasting. And because those planets move so slowly, um, especially, well, like Pluto being the most distant, those are called generational planets because a whole generation of people, like 15 years, are all going to have Pluto in the same sign. Um, And then the the other planets correspondingly with a little bit shorter um, uh, transit time. But they have the most power to um, to change your life for the better. So now we're going to talk about um, the houses because those planets are going to be falling in some of your houses. Uh, uh, I mean, it'll be falling in all of your houses, but um, those are the places where I always look first. You know, when I'm uh, when I'm doing a session with someone and they have a question about timing something. And I always look to the larger planets because they have the most broad-reaching um, um, aspects. But what house they're in will tell you what area of your life this influence is going to take place with. So um, let me get this. The first chart I want to talk about just kind of briefly, it's not the main thing we're going to be talking about, but... Um, on the slideshow, there is a uh, one of the charts that is, um, if you look about 9 o'clock on the wheel, that, that's the first house cusp, it says 25 Aries. Just for a point of reference, this is the chart that I'm looking at. And um, the reason I, I put this chart up there, because the, the houses are in their natural positions so that Aries is the ruler of the first house. It's the first sign of the zodiac. And then it goes in order through the zodiac all the way around the chart. So that's why this is called a natural wheel, because your rising sign determines um, what is ruling your first house. The rising sign is also known as the first house cusp. It's also known as the ascendant. So that's why this one chart I put up there, so that you could see the natural positions of um, the rulers of the houses. So, and you don't have to memorize this, all this stuff that I'm saying. Just try to get the gist of it, okay? So the first house is ruled by Aries, and Aries is ruled by Mars. So all three, Mars, Aries, and the first house, have uh, a lot of the same keywords, and that's really where you really you want to um, have a few keywords that you associate with the planets, and then you'll as you um, over time uh, track your transits, you'll you'll learn more and more keywords. But Aries is the ruler of the first house, the ruler of Mars. I mean, Mars is the ruler of the first house and the ruler of Aries, 
And the first house is about how you see the world and how the world sees you. It's that emergent part of the chart. And then the the second house about values and belief systems. It's ruled by Taurus, which is ruled by Venus. And um, I'm not going to go all the way around the wheel because this is this is stuff that you will learn um, as you're tracking your transits. But understanding the areas of influence of each house, and this is also information that you can you can look up on the internet. But again, you don't have to understand any of this to track your transits. Um, the the second chart that I had up there, um, the one that's got the the bright pink circles. Um, happens to be a chart that I ran for the um, the six markings for the crystal quest. But it's also a good example because on this chart, Aries is not the first house cusp. On this chart, it's one degree, 54 minutes of cancer. And so in this case, the first house still has that emergent energy. It's still how you see the world and how the world sees you. But um, if you're at all familiar, or if you happen to be in Aries, you know that the energy of Aries is very assertive. It's independent. It's a fire sign. It's about leadership. It can be um, kind of um, say impatient. I'm in Aries now, so I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be um, um, not too um, not too direct, but Aries can be brutally direct and honest or, or blunt. And these are just keywords for Aries. Um, <clears throat> but on this second chart, you've got Cancer ruling the first house. So you have to blend those two together. And Cancer is a very different energy. It's very nurturing and compassionate and feeling. It's empathetic. It is um, uh, intuitive. It's artistic. It's a, it, kind of the, the Earth Mother, very nurturing, where Aries is much more independent and and Aries being the first sign of the zodiac, uh, one of the one of the you know famous phrases for Aries is me first. You know, let me let me. I want to be the first in line. I want to be the first to do this. It's that pioneer. That's the nature of the first house. So when you have to blend these two things together, this is an example of other blending that you would be doing as you. Um, put in your own chart information. So if your first house cusp, if your rising sign is something other than Aries, then you have to blend those two things to get the energy of your first house and planets that might be in there. Um, So I want you now now to look at the chart that looks different from the other two. Um, It says Starseed Radio Academy, um, transits November 3rd, and this is called a bi-wheel, and it's two two charts in one. The inner chart is the planetary positions at the moment that Starseed Radio Academy uh, did our first broadcast, uh, which happened to be March 20th, 2010, at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. I guess 2 p.m. would be the afternoon. Um, (laughs) So the inner wheel is the birth of Starseed Radio. And then the outer wheel is today's planets, November 3rd. And the outer wheel, these planets 
are in this position for everybody in the world. Um, but the trick is, the, the, the transit part of it is seeing where they fall in this chart. So um, on this particular by wheel, when you look at the, and I'm just going to give you this so you can understand a little bit better what you're looking at, because I know that it might look like um, <laughs> Greek and chicken scratch put together. Um, the very outermost ring around the wheel um, has the house cusp divisions. So eight degrees, I mean 18 degrees, five minutes of cancer was the rising sign when Starseed Radio was born. And that determines the positions of the houses. So today you can see, um, if you just kind of go to the wheel here, um, the moon is in Leo. It's in the second house. And so you would put together the, um, the energies of the second house and the qualities of Leo and the qualities of the moon. And this is not really a transit, So um, and, and the moon moves so quickly that um, it's probably halfway out of the house by now. So let's go to the third house there where we've got Jupiter in the third house. Now, the third house is about communication, and the planet Jupiter then is transiting the third house. Jupiter stays about one year in each sign, so this is going to be there for a long time. So, And Jupiter having the um, unlimited expansion, it's about philosophies and uh, the ultimate truth, freedom and justice. Jupiter is, and these are just key words for Jupiter, it's about spirituality and the higher mind. It's um, a perpetual seeker of higher wisdom and is also a teacher. So that's that's the energy of Jupiter, no matter where it is in anybody's chart. That's the energy of Jupiter. And this particular time, today, tonight, Jupiter is in the sign of Virgo. And Virgo is a sign of service. It is a sign of perfection. It is an earth sign. It is a feminine sign. So talking about... Um, Anything that is of service, being of greater service in a, in a spiritual way, communicating that, this is, this is going to be there for the whole year for Starseed Radio Academy. And right next to that in the third house, we've got Mars. And Mars, again, is that, that independent energy, the pioneer being the ruler of Aries. So this puts a lot of energy and a lot of activity in our third house of communication. And then Venus right next to there, that's the feminine. Also in the third house, which by the way, both of these today are conjunct and they're just starting to activate galactic degree. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't know if you'd like to, to comment on the, the ramifications of having Mars conjunct Venus at galactic degree in Virgo. What does that mean for the planet, Lavendar? Well, I have been noticing that Venus and Mars have been running close together, but when they get galactic degree, it it resonates to the star seeds on the planet and it helps people understand their male and female bringing their energies into one body. In other words, um, 
we're coming into times now where we get more independent within our sexual energy, within our creativity, and that we don't really need people like we used to. It's like we get self-sustained. We're more sovereign within ourselves. This is a time when, when Venus and Mars are at galactic degree and Virgo is when you will uh, combine those energies and, and go for better health, go for better understanding about alternative medicines, and possibly just simply withdraw from society for a few days in order to get your balance. I've been I've been watching that as well in running of charts, and I, and I noticed that today when I when I looked at this, it's like wow, they're about to tilt galactic degree in Virgo, so that that'll be really good for the planet. Um, so before I get much deeper into this, um, I want to give you the the two things that you need to get. Um, in order to do this on your own. And um, we have missed our our transit service, which we've been using for two decades, um, and they finally, after 40 years, um, had to close. But there is, um, I've done a lot of research, and the best thing I've come up with is a little app that you can get called Time Passages. And it is, you can get it for your smartphone or your PC or your Mac. Um, and there's a lot of places on the web. I know it's iTunes has it as well. Uh, if you get it for your iPhone, it's free. And there's also a program, a software program um, for your desktop. And the the website where you can find this is astrograph, G-R-A-P-H, astrograph.com. And this um, little app, you can put in your own birth information and it stores it, and then it runs your transits for you. Um, there's a uh, it, This is a really user-friendly little app, and um, you just put, in, put, you put your birth data in, and then it has a, a page that says horoscope, and that's what they're calling transits. Um, there are, I mean, any astrological program can calculate transits. You put in your birth information, and then um, it'll run the current planetary positions and combine the two. Um, although with time passages, if you want to put someone else's chart in there, then you have to upgrade to the pro version. But I think even the pro version is only about $30. And then there is a book that is called Planets in Transit, written by Robert Hand. And this is the industry standard for interpreting your transits. So you put your birth info in, in, the, um, in the app, whether it's on your cell phone or your, your computer at home, and, and you get this book. Um, I mean, it's on Amazon. They've got it hard copy, um, download just get the book, and then you just look at, at what it says. You know, if you've got, um, you know, Mercury trying Venus, you, then you go to that book, that chapter in the book, and you just read. It's about two paragraphs that will tell you, well, what does that mean? You've got Mercury trying Venus. And and that, within the app, they have their own little explanations, but I don't even look at those. Just go with the Robert Hand planets in transit 
if you want the real deal. Um, but those are the two things that you will need, and you need really don't have to know anything about astrology. But over time, after you've looked up Mars trine Venus a bunch of times, then you won't even need to look that one up anymore. So you're just passively learning about planetary energies. But you could start this tomorrow if you get the Robert Hand book, um, The Planets in Transit by Robert Hand. So um, I, I want might to talk mention a here also, Ariel, that uh, Planets by Aspect by Robert Hand, anything that Robert Hand writes is a wonderful teaching tool. Okay. And he and I were born on the same day, and but at, but uh, different times were like four hours apart. So when I read his his work, it's like reading myself. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I knew that. I knew that about him. Um, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about the aspects, um, but right now I just want to go quickly through um, the planetary energies and um, and and the rulerships. This is something, again, that you're going to learn passively, but just for the, um, for the sake of, of example. Um, one of the easiest planetary energies, I mean, for me anyway, is um, to, to pick out is Mars, because it's kind of unmistakable. It's, um, Mars can... It can help you get enormous amounts of work done. It can help you with enormous amounts of energy. When you have to stand your ground and, and stand up for something you believe in, Mars is really um, really helpful with that. Um, but then you have to consider how it is interacting with your chart. So let me go back to this, this bi-wheel here. And as you look around this wheel, um, the first thing I would do would be pick out the the big planets. If this were your chart, um, then let's look at the big planets. I'll get back to Mars. Um, so on this chart, if you look in the fifth house, there is Saturn in Sagittarius in this fifth house. And the fifth house is about creativity and things that you would put your name on, whether it's a work of art or a child. And Saturn is a planet of structure, of duty, responsibility, integrity, propriety. It's really um, about staying between the lines um, in your own in your own sense of integrity here. And with with Saturn in the fifth house, there are a lot of manifestations. And, of course, the, the, the Robert Handbook will help you to interpret that. But this is an opportunity to, um, to really build the foundation or give structure to, um, in this case, because I'm looking at this as Starseed Radio Academy, giving more structure to what we create and make it everlasting. Um, in, the, in the sixth house, there's Pluto, which is the great transformer. And the sixth house has to do with your health, your daily work, your daily activities. So having Pluto in the sixth house 
is going to transform the way you go about that. Maybe something you're doing isn't working. And when Pluto comes into that house, it's going to start working even worse. <laughs> so you're like, okay, the time has come to do something about this. Let's just, you know, rebuild it, redo it, redecorate it. However, um, it's going to be getting better. Um, it also, now go around the wheel to the eighth house. We've got Neptune in the eighth house. And Neptune is a planet of spiritual service. It is happens to be in the sign of Pisces, which is its own sign. And a planet's always stronger when it's in its own sign because it's not being blended or diluted with other other um, energies. And the eighth house is a house of transformation, of um, resurrection, rebirth, regeneration. It's also about the mystical. So, um, and you'll notice that we had Neptune in that house um, when when the radio show was born. And Neptune has been in that house ever since um, because it moves so slowly. But this is really about spiritual service in helping starseeds to um, to remember the rebirthing of starseeds, the, um, the metaphysical, mystical aspects of our show. Um, Neptune serves very well there. Um, if this were an individual's chart, um, because the eighth house is also about other people's money um, and things, um, resources that are jointly held. With Neptune in the eighth house, it would not be a good time to find a new business partner because there's there can be some some illusion there. Neptune is about dreams and it's the visionary, and and it can be about illusions and visions and dreams. And then, then it goes into the other side of that where an illusion can be a delusion and a delusion can be a deception. So that's the whole gamut of Neptunian. At the very highest point, it's, it's like Mother Teresa, the you know, spiritual service to other people. And, and at the lowest point, it's where you start believing your own delusions or um, there's, a, there's a kind of a a foggy area. So that's why Neptune in the 8th house would not be a good thing if you were um, depending on someone else for your support or if you were going to go to, um, you know, to, to borrow money from, some, some, from a friend. Not a good idea when Neptune's in the 8th house. But if you are doing something that is in the um, spiritual service arena, then it's a great place. So you have to also know um, or be looking for what it is that you want to, uh, what project you want to do, what's the best planetary support for that, and when is that happening for you, so you can time things. Um, and now, going, continuing around the around the wheel here, in the tenth house, Uranus is in Aries, and the tenth house is about. Um, a, a public image. It is can be your career, but it's it's more a um, your your public persona. With Uranus in the tenth house, um, a lot of things can happen. This can be um, like 
sudden inspiration that comes through the radio show where you suddenly get something. It is very high electrical energy. But Uranus is always, whatever kind of energy it brings, it, it will be out of the blue. Um, Lavender, do you want to comment about um, Uranus in this on this chart? Yes. Um, I, I noticed that we had Venus at 16 Aries in the 10th house, and now Uranus is at 17, which means for the past uh, year or so that Uranus has been coming up on Venus, which says the calling of the goddess, the calling of the women. Divine feminine is going into the quickening. People are, are quickly being activated uh, in their uh, star seeds, people that uh, call us for sessions, people that go on our quest. There's a quickening that starts happening. And when I say quickening, I'm saying that uh, something happens in their DNA which takes them uh, higher and above what they normally are used to thinking. It's like it gives them new thoughts, new ideas. It opens up portals, dimensions, and, and also areas of, of uh, electromagnetics. This is where you hear me say, you know, we've got our GPS locator in our head. Or we're beeping. Other people's are beeping. This is where the beep beeps come together. The starseed community is beeping, and we're beeping to, uh, out there, and people are responding by showing up or by calling us or by uh, getting the books that um, we have our authors uh, come on our show it's the distribution of information that's going to go all the way around the world. The 10th house also says it has a global move. 10th house is not only career, but I look to it sometimes as, as the global faction. Right. Well, that that is a, a, a public persona, um, and it could be public for the world um, or public just for your neighborhood. Um, There's one thing I wanted to add about Neptune. I noticed that uh, we have our ninth house cusp at 8 Pisces 30, and Neptune is setting at 7 right now. So sometime um, in this coming year, when Neptune crosses our ninth house, it looks like that we might be taking more sacred uh, trips, maybe overseas or maybe doing cruises or expanding our our spiritual starseed messages more globally when when I noticed that Neptune might move into the ninth house. Right, right. Well, the ninth house has to do with long-distance travel and um, and especially uh, with all the, I mean, Jupiter was in Pisces when the show started, so that kind of throws the um, the the founding energy of unlimited spiritual um, seeking and service. So next I think um, I want to talk a little bit about the aspects. Because we've been talking about just having the planets in the houses. And you can look this up. I mean, if you you don't have to, um, obviously because the planets don't move all that quickly, um, you don't have to be checking this part of it every single day because once you know, um, it's like, okay, Jupiter's in the third house. You don't have to read that one for another year because it's going to be there that long. And um, speaking of that, wherever Jupiter is transiting your chart, that's where the opportunities, um, lucky breaks, expansion, um, 
Jupiter is is a real good real good planet to know where it is in your chart because that's where you can make the most progress. Um, if if Jupiter were in your your sixth or tenth house, this is a great time for expanding whatever you do uh, professionally. Um, but besides which houses the planets are falling in, then there's a relationship between the transiting planet and the natal planet. Um, going back to my original analogy about the pool table, if you've got a straight shot that's like 180 degrees right down the line, um, there's a the the 90 degree, there's 120 degrees, and there's a 45 degree as well as a conjunct, and those are are called the aspects. So if you want to think of it in in uh, in um, pool table terms, it, it's kind of easier I think for me anyway to to visualize. So. Um, When a transiting planet, um, let me just let me just see because the the transit lines, I mean the aspect lines, um, aren't printed on this particular chart. Um, but you take the and the and this, this time passages time passages app will tell you um, what the aspects are. Um, I'm having a little difficulty coming up with them just off the top of my head because I'm not I'm used to having the program do it for me. Um, so let's just make something up. <laughs> so if you had um let's say transiting Jupiter conjunct meaning at the same degree or within a certain number of degrees conjunct your natal Uranus, which is not on this particular chart, but let's just say that you had that. So your natal Uranus, um, maybe it's in your um, fifth house. And then when Jupiter, if your fifth house happened to be, let's say Scorpio, like this chart is, and your natal Uranus was in Scorpio in the fifth house, and then when Jupiter is either at that same degree or 95 degrees away, which would be the square, or 120 degrees away, which would be the trine, think of the triangle, or 180 degrees, which would be directly across, or um, 60 degrees, which would be the sextile. Um, And again, you don't have to memorize all this stuff because it's going to be clearly figured out for you between the app and the book, but just for the sake of example here. So if you had Jupiter in your fifth house within like four degrees one way or the other of your natal Uranus, that is one of the most exciting um, transits of all. It can it can bring all kinds of wonderful things, Um not the least of which would be maybe an exciting love affair or um a an amazing um, inspiration if you're an artist you get ideas like you've never had before um it's sudden expansion um Jupiter and Uranus is a, is a really um 
exciting combination. Whether it's conjunct, 60 degrees away, which was sextile, it's half of a trine, so sextiles are favorable. Um, the trine is 120, and that's extremely favorable. The 95-degree square, that sets up a different energy. Um, if you if you think of it, um, trines are just easy. You just lay back and, and someone peels a grape for you. You don't have to work really hard with a trine uh, because the energy just flows all by itself. And sextiles are s- similar to a, a lesser degree. But the squares, that is that sets up energy. It can be friction or it can be heat. It can be exciting or it can be not too exciting um, because it depends on how you handle it. There's a, a, a good way and a, and a not-so-good way when you have um, a square. Like if Jupiter was square Uranus, um, if you didn't think things through, you might find yourself in a, in a tub of hot water because you moved too quickly. Um, where if it was trying, there would be no problem. You, I, I, am I making sense, Lavendar? Can you help me um, put words to what I'm, what I'm sure you know I'm saying? <laughs> yes, and, and also with a Jupiter, well, uh, the, the Uranus conjunct with uh, Jupiter brings what we call a, a thank the Lord aspect. One of the astrologers that I studied with said that uh, when a person's born with that, they're so lucky in their energetic field. Like if they were in a car accident and everybody gets killed but them and they walk out without a scratch, it's that Jupiter-Uranus harmonic that signals to their uh, to their DNA and to the energies around them that will just take them right out of the car at the moment of impact. That was one example that was given to me by one of my teachers. So I'm finding a lot of people that are uh, asking for sessions now. I guess I've had probably 30 people in the last um, six months that have Jupiter-Uranus conjunct. And I thought that was pretty unusual for that to be... In, in, in the starseed sessions because you know that's a that that combination can't happen but once every 12 years so it's like i started getting people that were born not in the same year but they were born 12 years apart and i started seeing this uranus jupiter conjunct and i thought oh my goodness this is an energy that's rising up with these starseeds and they're and they're activating themselves and they're seeing with different colored glasses. It's like they're taking off their rose-colored glasses and they're putting on their galactic glasses. That's the only way I can describe it. Well, it um, when there is a, a, a square between Jupiter and Uranus, it can be a little bit of a hot potato. Um, if you can focus and direct the energy, um, you know, it's like super turbo power. Um, but if you don't handle it properly, you know, it just might um, kind of fall apart and blow up in your face because it was um, not not properly prepared for, knowing that these, these um, times are coming up. That's another wonderful thing about tracking your transits. If you've got something that you want to do that's kind of a major decision, whether it's just, you know, moving or... Um, buying something major or getting married or um, 
you know, changing jobs. Those are the types of things, I mean, I couldn't imagine planning anything like that without knowing where the planets are. Because there are certain times when it's not a good time, it's not going to work out the way you want. You're better off just waiting until that energy um, passes and then you can get some traction and and get that thing that you wanted and, and, and do it without any kind of snags or unforeseen problems. One of the things I'd like to interject here is any Jupiter-Uranus transit, whether it's a conjunct, a square, an opposition, a trine, or a sextile, gives you the decision-making. It's like it's a smorgasbord. You get to choose. It's about choosing. It's about what are you going to choose to run with that energy. You're going to uh, sit back and ignore it, or you're going to use it. It's usable energy, and once you understand that you've got the smorgasbord in front of you, and it's up to your wise decisions to pick the things that you need for your evolution, then, then that's what tracking astrology is all about as far as I'm concerned. It's once you, once you get a hold of how to use the energies and make it purposeful in your life. Absolutely, and that's, I mean, it's, um, I was talking to, to uh, Fiona and Anastasia before the show, um, you know, if you if you don't know what your transits are, you could just be walking in to a situation and be blindsided, but if you knew what your transits were, that chances are that that wouldn't happen because you'd be on the lookout, you'd be prepared, um, you know, and I mean there could be any kind of scenario that goes with that, but it's just so important. And there's some 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 of the quick transits, especially the Venus transits, um, they're here and gone in a couple of days. And I think probably the, the worst thing that can happen with the Venus transit is that you might go spend too much money at the, at the makeup counter, uh, because Venus is about good times it's about beauty and social times and getting along with people and it's it's a very very social kind of planetary energy so there's not a lot of harm that can come out of a venus transit unless you overeat overdo um um overindulge um let me just check i think i'm i'm getting close to i think everything i wanted to say um Oh, there's another couple of things. When you when you start doing this, and believe me, you could start doing it tomorrow or the day after tomorrow when you get the Robert Hand book. Um, and you, if you look up your transits on the on the little app, or if you have some other astrology program that you use to run your transits, um, you may find in one day you could have eight or nine um, transits. And you could read some of them when you look it up in the Robert Handbook, and and it tells you about um, you know oh wonderful good time you know great uh, energy you feel good and then maybe the other half of them is you know you feel lonely you feel isolated and and there's very um, often a number of transits that might possibly seem to be contradictory. So, Lavendar, what would you recommend 
in that case. You've got so many transits, and some of them, some might say move forward, and some might say hold on. <laughs> well, not many astrologers will like what I'm going to say. I take the ones I like. <laughs> you know the what? The ones that was... are empowering me; those are the ones I'll use. The rest of them, I just try to be aware of them, but I but I don't let them ignite me or get me, you know, uh, off kilter. Well, you know, I've, I've said that myself, and I thought I would let you, I'd let you put it a different way, but you said the same thing. Um, when I have, you know, eight or ten transits um, at this point in my life, I mean, I'll just look through them and it's like, okay, that one, no big deal, no big deal, no big deal. Um, and I focus, I just pick the ones that I like. And the ones that aren't as fun, that's like, okay, yeah, I know they're there, but I'm not going to go dwell on them, and I'm not going to go sit in my room and 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 wait, you know. But so you just pick pick the ones because you can do that uh, with your chart, and it's something that I tell people all the time. When because your chart is like a stew of all different ingredients, and it blends together in a particular way that's just you. And there might be some, you know, so you've got some some beef and some chicken and some carrots and corn and peas and all kinds of things mixed into your stew. And there might be some times when you just want to pick out the peas. There might be times when you just want to pick out the beef, depending on what you need at the time. So, you know, for myself, when I when I need to have that 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 strength and the and the let's stand up, let's get this done, let's take action and and let's, you know, go into motion you know, I'll pull on the fire parts of my chart. But there are other situations where that would be totally inappropriate when when someone is, is um, you know, pouring their heart out to you, then, you know, you're going to want to put, put the water, you know, pull on the water in your chart where you can really uh, understand what they're saying and you have more, more um, empathy or intuition. So you can pull on any part of your chart. And if there's a part of your... your planetary makeup that is kind of acts up once in a while like i've got a, i've got a part of my chart that sometimes it wants to it wants to act up at the most inappropriate moments and then i just say hey you you sit up sit down and go shut up because i don't need that right now you know cuz you can you can pull on whatever part of your chart you need at the time don't you do that lavender yeah absolutely yeah, when I when I have a if, if I have a Jupiter uh, Uranus transit or a, even a Uranus Venus transit, I will jump on them first before I uh, allow Saturn or Pluto to do anything to me. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> choice to go in, but I know how to do that. I know how to grab those energies in my body and to uh, expand them. A lot of people don't know how to do that. I don't even know how to teach that, by the way. So, please don't ever, don't anybody ask me how to do it because I can't tell you. <laughs> I just know that I do it. It's not well, it's I mean, not a teaching thing. It's something you're born with. Well, as you become as you become more familiar with your chart and and what is really making you tick, and then you understand the the daily influence of the of the planets combined with your natal chart you can you can take whatever energies that suit you the best at the moment and and just focus on those alone and if 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 the you know the 
the fire part of your chart gets impatient, then just go sit down. You know, fire, go sit down. Um, You'll get your turn. Right now I've got to be water. (laughs) So um, that's what I would say about having many transits that sometimes don't all have the same message. And this way you can choose the timing for projects that you have or anything in your life that is a, a, a big choice or a decision or going forward, you're always going to want to know the best windows. And your transits will tell you that. And you always have to know where the moon is. And this is for everybody, even if, and if, and if you're not tracking your transits, um, eventually you'll get spanked for it if you talk to one of us. But you have to at least know where the moon is because this affects everybody on the planet. This planet is ruled by emotion and the the moon rules emotions. So that, um, you know, if the if the moon is in Leo, people are very gregarious. If the moon is in Sagittarius, um, they're they're much more um, open and freewheeling and ready to move on a dime. You know, when the moon is is in Pisces, you're going to want to do something for someone else. Uh, but the most important thing is know when the moon is void of course. And this is easy information to find on the internet. If you are going to, you know, go in for a big job interview, if you have any choice on the scheduling of that, make sure the moon is not void, of course, because it just won't. It'll just kind of fizzle. It, it, you know, the, the 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 seedling won't take root, and it just kind of fizzle. If you make a move, an important move, when the moon is void, of course, and also knowing when Mercury is retrograde, you never want to launch a new thing with Mercury retrograde. It happens three times a year and lasts about three weeks each time. And um, there are some other background books because we get people that ask us all the time um, and say they want to learn more about astrology. Um, What is the name of that um, Isabel Hickey book? um, Astrology, a Cosmic Science by Isabel Hickey. And then, it's the um, best book I have found for for everything. It's my it's my go to book. Astrology: A Cosmic Science by Isabel Hickey. Okay, so it, it it's the most comprehensive that you found. Um, One that speaks to me the loudest, yeah, because it gives okay. it, it the way she writes just matches my brain. That's why I love it so much. Okay. Um, so there's some you know Isabel Hickey. Um, a cosmic science. Um, I started off with uh, Linda Goodwin's sun signs, just understanding um, the sun signs and their characteristics. That's a, a good basic way to become familiar with the signs. And um, if you also, if you look on our website on the headline news page, there's a little um, um, image there that's a, a, a legend for the the glyphs, the symbols, the signs, so that the charts won't look quite so um, foreign to you. Um, you know, it gives you the, the, the glyph for Aries, and then it's got a picture of the ram. And the chart ruler, uh, I mean, the Aries ruler is Mars, and then it's got the, the glyph for the, you know, the planet Mars. And it's, it's really good if, you, if you're trying to figure something out, you can use that for reference um, with your charts. 
so um, I think that about covers everything I wanted to say about transits and their importance. Um, we won't be giving you a quiz, but if we ever talk to you on the phone, we're going to ask, are you following your transits? Because, it, I mean, it's so, so important. You can't, I mean, you can't really be that effective as a starseed if you're oblivious to the astrological weather. You could get caught with the, you know, with no umbrella in a really bad storm. So, <clears throat> anything you want to add um, about the transits or aspects or any of that? No, I think you about covered it. Um, I, I'm ready to. Uh, to address some of the uh, questions from the forum, if you're ready to okay. do that. Yes, we are. So uh, take it away. Okay. So I want to thank Tammy for sending me over uh, a list of uh, questions from the forum. And one of the first ones um, is, anyone experienced dietary changes? I was wondering if any of you have experienced or are experiencing changes to your diet. It is getting harder for me to find things to eat outside. Not just me, but my wife as well. Just a few short months ago, we were able to eat certain things. Now, if we try to eat those same things today, we both will be sick. Symptoms are like mild food poisoning. It's almost like our bodies are rejecting the food. Yes, I have noticed that, especially since 2012, there seems to be um, energies that are they're rising up in our bodies, and we just can't tolerate tolerate the the poisons and the uh, pharmaceutical things that are being put in our food. I notice that when I go to the grocery store and I stand there and I start reading the labels, and then I put it down. I pick up something else, I put it down, and then and I'm going, well, what am I going to eat? <laughs> it's like everything's got so many, you know, um, chemicals in it. So you get real disheartened with with what's out there. So I, I know that a lot of people are, are going um, vegetarian. Some people are, you know, reading labels. Uh, but just know that you'll be led to the foods that, that work for you the best because one man's food may be another man's poison. So experiment with what works for you. I mean, there's times when I just want to eat chocolate, and chocolate does really well for me. With other people, it'd, that'd be too much for them. There's times when I, you know, well, I'll find a, a spaghetti, a spaghetti and meat sauce, and that's the only thing I can tolerate for about a week. You have to experiment with yourself just to see what it is that works for you. But I am noticing that our dietary requirements are, are a lot different than they were a few years ago. Okay, the next one, um, homesickness. I'm wondering what, to, what do you do when feeling homesick? Does any of you have a good way of handling it, a method or something? I know I chose to come here, and I know why I'm here. Most of the time I'm fine. And if I'm not, I walk out into the forest where I use cleansing and protection that I've learned. And the ravens that live here helps me. But sometimes when I'm among people and negativity and I don't have the chance to escape it, it overwhelms me and I'm at loss at what to do. I just want to go home to my loving planet. Is there any way of getting back on track when still amongst the negative? How do you handle it? Well, um, I've gone through many different um, emotions about uh, homesickness and wanting to go home. Uh, now I'm pretty, um, 
pretty balanced with it. I know that that there's a job here to do, and that I won't be going home until my job is finished. And I I don't really focus on the yearning that that used to happen to me. I, when it comes up, I try to uh, start thinking about something else. You know, it's like uh, if someone brings something up that makes me yearn for uh, to go aboard ship or go to another planet or be with loved ones that I haven't seen for a long time. I try not to, to dwell on it because the more I dwell on it, the sadder I'll become. So it's a matter of of mental discipline. It's a mental discipline thing that I have to go to. So that's that's how I handle it. Next one. Uh, wondering what it's like to experience a walk-in. Can anyone share? Well, I've had many, many uh, experiences through the years, um, uh, seeing walk-ins, experiencing walk-ins. That's probably a subject matter that would take me so long to, to go into. But what I'd like to say now about people that are experiencing uh, what I call drop buys, and this is where a lot of counselors, a lot of people out there that are working in um, community service or working with with counseling sessions, you'll find that you'll be talking along and all of a sudden you'll just know things. And for about 10 minutes you're just absolutely amazing. <laughs> and then And then that energy leaves and you go, wow, how did I know that? It's because you're attuning yourself to higher vibrations and these drop-bys come to help you. So I'm, not, I'm noticing that uh, a lot more. Next question. Uh, let's see. Solar storms and flares. During this time of the solar storms, did anyone feel exceptionally tired and almost sad-like? I do notice that when we do have a lot of solar flares, that um, there's times when I simply have to go lay down, especially between like 11 and 1. It's when the sun gets very high over my house, and if there's a solar uh, flares going and the and I've, I'm feeling the Air Force Base over here and I'm feeling the cell phone towers, and it's kind of a you know a, a, a cluster, a cluster of energies that that hits, and I have to go lay down. So you know I'm thinking that the sun is is in in concert with some of these technologies that we have on the planet. So it's not just about the sun anymore. It's about what the sun's doing with the technologies that hit our body. And I'm also noticing that there's another energy coming from the sun, and it's not heat. It's some kind of radiation that when it when it hits, it really makes you just want to go lay down and, and not move. So I have noticed that. Okay, let's see. Let me turn the page here. See where else. Um Reaction to abduction. This is a subject I've been struggling with for months now. I've been experiencing many abductions lately, so much so I told them to please stop because I wasn't getting enough rest. They were good enough to stop. I've been experiencing these since I was a child, but it's never the same guys. They change around. I never know what's going on. Now these beings who pick me up, some are very nice. I don't mind them. They're very loving. But sometimes, and I don't know if it's my imagination getting out of control or what, but sometimes I feel very scared. I don't want them to bother me. Watching TV programs about them makes me feel very scared. Should I be worried about my trips with these guys? I'm not sure if I should be scared or worried. Well, this is a huge subject matter, and I deal a lot with people that have had these abduction experiences and a lot of people with post-traumatic stress 
because they've not been able to handle what's happened to them in the abductions. And uh, a lot of our homeless people, um, these are categories. A lot of people that are homeless have been abducted and just can't function in society. Uh, But if they're coming to you and you don't want them to be there, then you just get strong in your power. If you take your power and you know that you are protected and you say, stop, I'm not going with you, uh, you have to to resist them if you don't want to be part of this. But if you do want to be part of it, then just relax and go with it and don't be worried or scared about anything. So it's up it's up to each individual's choice about how you want to handle the abduction uh, scene or contact scene. Some people are contacted, and, and that's different. When you're contacted, it's it's the the free will of two individuals making uh, an agreement. An abduction is where they take you, uh, and they and there is no agreement. Uh, they simply come and take you out of bed without any forewarning. And for a lot of people, this is a violation. For some, they have said, oh, yeah, when I get down on the planet, if you want to come and abduct me and take my eggs and grow hybrids, then you, then you can do that. And that's an agreement you make before you're ever born. But then when you get down here, you don't remember that you made that agreement. So then it can be a very scary thing. So um, there's going to be more and more information that comes out in the next uh, few years about the abductees, and what's happened to the abductees on the planet. I think I saw a survey not too long ago. There's there's about 6 million people that have been abducted just here in the United States. I don't know what it is worldwide. But eventually, some of those people will start uh, releasing their memories and bringing forth information. And we've seen some of that already. But can you imagine what will happen when 6 million people wake up and they decide that they want to come forward and do something about their abductions? Woo! <laughs> I, don't yeah. to, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> would it, okay. What would it does tracking mean? I've been listening to the archives, and Lavender often mentions that she tracks things such as bloodlines, the State of the Union address, and the five people who told her they stopped reading the Gods of Eden on the same page. What does she mean by that? Well, um, when I track, I... I take I'm tracking energies. I'm I'm thinking about when I hear something and I'll it's like I'm putting a puzzle together or I'm weaving a a story together, a, a tapestry. And I'll put something here on this side and then it it'll, it'll show up over here and then by the time I get through then I have kind of a reading on what's happening in the world. But the gods of Eden uh thing and I really I would encourage people to get that book. Uh, it's by w- William Bramley. He's never written anything since. And why would he need to after this book? It's, it's one of the most profound books I've ever read. But there's a certain place, and I think it's around page 58, if I'm not mistaken. But there's a coding in it. It's like you're reading along, and there's a silent message that says, put down the book now. You don't need to read any further. <laughs> and, and I've had people tell me that something just kind of comes over them sleepy time, and they can't pick up the book again. And I think it's some kind of um, mind control thing that that has been placed either in the book or they seem to know when you're reading the book to stop people from their discovery of how things are really working on the planet. Because when you read The Gods of Eden, when you get through with it, I guarantee you you'll have a, a whole different outlook about... Um, this spiritual one-on-one business on the planet, okay? 
that's all I have to say about that. So those are the that's the end of my um questions from the form. Okay. Well, um I think we had we had a caller who has dropped off the board, so um I guess we don't have any questions this evening. But um I want to thank everyone for listening and um thank you to Fiona <clears throat> for handling the switchboard and oh we've got one more person that just <laughs> put their hand up for a question so <clears throat> if it's an astrology question um we'll be happy to to take that so once again um to track your astrological transits you do not have to know anything about astrology to get started all you need is either the Time Passages software application, smartphone, desktop, or some other astrology program that will run your transits. And then the book by Robert Hand called Planets in Transit. And it's just a reference book. And you can, um, you can track your transits from day to day. And you'll be amazed. You'll be just amazed at how you ever got along without knowing this stuff. So, okay, well, um, we have our our caller. And, oh, hello, hello, Lynn, how are you? I'm well. I just wanted to thank you, too. That's it. (laughs) Well, you are so welcome. And, Lynn, happy birthday to you, girl. Thank you, my dear, and I'm I'm planning on my um my chart solar return me for my solar return. I'm getting all ready. Okay, good. I sent you the chart. I've got it. Thank you very much. Okay. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for calling and and thanks for listening, Lynn. Yeah, it was it was very interesting. So thank you too. You're and so all of you that do this, because I know it it takes a village. It does. It does. <laughs> so, well, thanks so much for calling, Lynn. Okay, good night. Bye-bye. I would like to end by saying that um, if you got an invitation to uh, join us in Arkansas uh, next weekend, um, on the weekend of what, I think the 13th, 14th, and 15th, yeah. Um, that this is going to be a very, very high energetic time. And uh, the the crystals there at, at uh, Mount Ida and Fisher Mountain are going to be resonating really high. Why? Because they're getting ready to um, uh, have the another uh, section of, of energies that are going to be placed there by some of the Pleiadian ships that are going to be coming in and they will be coding the crystals and giving the crystals new directional information that's going to help the crystal grid, the people that pick up the crystals, and the and the people on the planet that are in alignment with the evolutionary changes, especially the star seeds. So um, if 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 you're living uh, close to Arkansas, you know Missouri or Texas or Oklahoma or or uh, a place where you can just drive in a few hours to, to join us. We'd love to see you. And uh, if you want to contact Tammy, T-A-M-M-I-E, at, 
at starseedhotline.com. She will send you the information talking about what we'll be doing on the weekend. And we will be having um, Nick Redford there, who has also been a guest of ours, and he has written the book Bloodline of the Gods. And he's going to give us a huge presentation uh, about this subject matter so that this is going to be a very, very exciting weekend. And it's going to be uh, a precursor to what's happening with the Pleiadian lineup. So for those of you that, that hear the call and want to come, we'd love to have you. Well, that's that's great. And it just happens that we've got Althea on the switchboard with a question about the quest. So let's just pick that up. Hi, Althea. Okay. <clears throat> Hi, girl. Hey. I was going to ask about Void of Course Moon and setting up a business, but I think in all due respect, it's something that I will um, do as much research on my end and then maybe get some clarification during the week that we meet at Starseed Quest. Okay, good. You're you're coming next weekend, aren't you? I am coming, and so I thought I would just come on and say to all my sisters and brothers out there, if you're hearing this, um, I am attending. Um, it's a call. It's big. It's huge. Show up. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And I'm so glad that you're coming back to join us because your your energies really help boost the power of what we're doing. And so I really honor you for, for taking that, that trip from Colorado. Thank you so much. I'll see you both there, and uh, I'll, I'll bring my questions. <laughs> okay. Bring your questions then. I'll be happy to, to work with you, honey. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Thanks. Okay, bye. Thanks, Althea. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, um, that concludes our presentation for this evening. And we thank you all for listening and joining us. And please um, track your transits. You will absolutely love the information and the empowerment that comes through that So um, from all of us here at Starseed Radio Academy, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 